Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, we are within now five days of Kansas City Chiefs training camp. And to pull the curtain back, we're recording on the night before, Monday night before the first padded practice of training camp. How has your first week of camp been, John? Well, it's been wonderful. I've uh, Me too. I've enjoyed, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I've enjoyed things being back to some kind of normal. Things aren't completely normal, but they're back to where we can, you know, see what's going on at camp. Yeah. Uh, the reporters get a chance to talk to players. Uh, we're getting some insights that we haven't seen for well over a year, and I just can't get over how much better it feels. To not have that stuff hanging over us. There's definitely a feeling of normalcy, I think, at camp that we didn't experience last year. Don't forget, this time last year, we weren't in person. There were no preseason games. Uh, We didn't really have any kind of glimpse into what this team might look like. It actually served us last year in the sense that there wasn't a lot of personnel changes uh, going into what was 2020 season from the 2019 season. So the team largely was the same. But there's been a lot of changes heading into this season, mm-hmm. and we will yeah. talk about some of our takeaways in the second half of this podcast. We'll go through the news first. Before we get into the news, I do want to say, if you're enjoying our stuff, please leave us a rating and a review. And as training camp is going on, I just want to continue to promote our website. We always talk about the podcast and the ratings and the reviews. Uh, but Ron Kopp is doing a really nice job for us. Oh, every, each and every day, I am throwing up a training camp notebook As long as I'm healthy and I'm not sick and I am healthy right now, I'll be up there each and every day uh, breaking down some observations, the story of the day, the tweet of the day, the quote of the day. We have five notebooks up now. There's a permalink, isn't there, John, where you can click on the notebook link and get get all the notebooks and and catch up on on what's happening day by day. So uh, we are doing our absolute best to keep you updated about everything Kansas City Chiefs and training camp as we get ready for the 2021 take it back season. Yeah. Uh, Ron Kopp is killing it and you're killing it too, boss. Oh, thank you. And I, and I, and I don't say that because you're boss. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. We're trying our best. And, and you know what? It is refreshing in the sense that I just think we're, we have legitimate information this year. Mm-hmm. We were, yeah, we had to last year with everything that's going on or was going on. And, and you understand why this was the case, but we had to kind of fake it in a sense of just try to guess and assume and try to put pieces together from maybe things we had experienced in the past because we didn't really know. We know now we're, we're getting some visuals on these players and we'll see how this team develops as we get closer to that 53-man roster. All right, let's start with the latest in the injuries that you need to know. Right before we started recording, there was a transaction. Armani Watts came off the PUP 
We found out fairly recently at a fractured foot. Uh, he was at practice today, not doing the teamwork yet, but at practice today. So he comes off the PUP list. My guy, Mr. Slippery Fox, Chris Finke, <laughs> he had an injury. The Chiefs waived him. There, there's been a settlement with the injured reserve. So he is no longer a member uh, of the Chiefs. We have a couple of did not practices here that we need to keep you aware of. Darwin Thompson has not practiced yet, and he's been on the COVID list since the beginning of the camp. We're wishing him the best, but still has not been able to shake the COVID-19 list. I believe what you need is tests within 24 hours of each other of negative testing and obviously has not come through for Darwin Thompson. And John, he's a player that needs to be on the field. I know this is your guy and and you've always been a, a big Darwin Thompson supporter, but this is a critical, critical training camp and just some bad luck for Darwin Thompson in what has been uh, this version of training camp. Well, especially with Jarek McKinnon on the right. team. Uh, you know, you've got two guys uh, who could easily be perceived as better options than Thompson in the running back room. So this is a very bad sign for him. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sad to see it, of course, because I love the kid. But I've also always been cognizant of the fact that he hasn't done very much for the Chiefs, and uh, he's always been kind of a bubble player. And um, but I love the guy. I just I just love the way he is. Very and how easy he to root for. Life. Yeah, yeah, he's very yeah. easy to root for. Yeah. And I think the thing that is troubling right now is when you're a fringe player like Thompson is, mm -hmm. I mean, you got to be doing everything in your power to get on the field. Now, this isn't his fault. It's not even an injury. It's the yeah. COVID-19 list. But McKinnon has the buzz. He was the story the other day. He spoke to the media. It seems like the Chiefs really like him in the passing game. Could be another backup for what would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Does a little bit different thing than what would be a Daryl Williams in a backup. So mm -hmm. very interesting development. Thompson needs to get on the field as soon as possible. Uh, some did not practices for injury on Monday. Malik Herring, we know he's not going to practice all year. Tight end Nick Kaiser's back spasms. Right guard Kyle Long, we know about. Linebacker Ben Neiman had the hamstring. Offensive lineman Mike Remmers has back spasms. So Lucas Niang has been at right tackle. I'm sure we're going to talk more about that. Uh, did not practice in team drills due to injury on Monday. Linebacker Anthony Hitchens. And we just mentioned safety Armani Watts, who's off the PUP. So we did some stuff at practice on Monday. Players that were injured on Monday, tight end Evan Bayless, wide receiver Chad Williams, and the one you need to know about is safety Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill pulled up on what looked like his right groin and came off the field really at the beginning of practice. This is the time. I mean, if you look at all the descriptions of these injuries, like we know about the long-term ones in what is Herring and Long. Long probably won't even touch the field until they get back to Kansas City probably two, three weeks. I mean, at the earliest, we'll see uh, mm -hmm. when he gets back on the field. But a lot of these other ones, like you're seeing with Hitchens and Ben Neiman with the hamstring or Juan Thornhill with the groin, uh, again, Bayless and Williams, ankle and groin today. A lot of these injuries come during this time of year because, as they say in the league, there is a transition to what is football shape. And when you just haven't done football things at this level of intensity for so long, some of these injuries in the heat are going to happen. And I think what you're seeing like with a guy like Anthony Hitchens and Travis Kelsey for a few days before he got back on the field on Monday is like, we're going to be better safe than sorry right now. There is no reason as you are looking at the calendar 
and it's August 2nd to be forcing these guys on the field and getting them into other worse injury situations. So the Chiefs are holding uh, these players back. I think Thompson stands out for the reasons that we mentioned. Another one that does stand out is another veteran in Mike Remmers because Niang is getting an opportunity at right tackle. And we'll see if that turns into now a sudden battle now that Niang has had full, two full days to play with the first team uh, at the right tackle position. Yeah, you mentioned the other side of the coin. And, and if this were the regular season, these guys would be sh- some of these guys would be shaking it off and going into play. I don't think that's right. the case for Remmers. Um, right. You know, you don't want to mess around with back spasms. Uh, for an offensive lineman or maybe even a tight end. Uh, and these groin injuries can be, they can be bad. Um, just depends on how they get diagnosed ultimately. But, you know, a lot of these hamstring tweaks, as uh, the head coach likes to call them, uh, wouldn't even be on our radar in the regular season. But, uh, you know, they're doing the right thing to keep them off the field. Yeah. And well. Keep you updated. We put the injury report in each and every notebook again to arrowheadpride.com sometime in the afternoon on practice days. Let's talk about Justin Houston. Made some waves because of I was wearing a, a Chiefs helmet with no shirt on and a workout. And last, he was with the Indianapolis Colts. So some people thought, wow, he's posting a photo of himself in a Chiefs helmet to Instagram. Maybe this means he wants to be a Chief. Maybe the Chiefs have been working him out. Who knows? The internet super sleuths were out. But Justin Houston joined Sammy Watkins in Baltimore and will now be picking up his third helmet in the NFL. Don't forget he played for the Chiefs (laughs) and the Colts. And now he'll be wearing, what do they have? Like a black helmet, right? It's like a black and, and purple looking thing. Yeah. 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 Justin Houston uh, joining an AFC rival in the Baltimore Ravens. And I remember when he played the chiefs as a member of the Colts, he was super motivated. He had the sack to end the game in what was uh, the Colts victory. The chiefs ended up getting the last laugh because they went on to win the super bowl. But uh, this is a player who I think has passion to play against his former team. And he'll get the opportunity week two Sunday night football, Baltimore Ravens versus Kansas city chiefs. Yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch for that reason, if if for no other. I mean, there's going to be plenty of reasons that that's going to be a, a fun game to watch. But this is going to add an extra element of intrigue uh, to the game. And I'd also like to say it's never occurred to me before that Internet super sleuth was, in fact, a contradiction in terms. So thank you for bringing that to my attention today. <laughs> yeah, so, there, there you go. And the deal was for one year and $4 million. And I know there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans out there that let's say, go give this to Houston. I've said it a number of times on this podcast and elsewhere. Once Justin Houston was released, I just think that chapter was closed for the Kansas city franchise. He was a great player, especially in his prime when he was here. I know that everyone liked and and enjoyed when he was piling up all those sacks the one year, but this is a a unit and a team. And I think a defensive room that turned the page and basically handed the keys. They took the keys from Houston and Barry and they said, Tyron Matthew, uh, this is your room now. Not to say that those players weren't great for the Kansas city chiefs at one time, but to me, there was a, a like I said, a page turning when they Mm -hmm. brought Tyron Matthew in and Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs defense has been pretty good since it's been good enough to get them to a Super Bowl and back to the Super Bowl in the loss. And we'll see how the defense continues to grow uh, as we get to what is going to be the 2021 season. So week two is a is a game to know because it's Ravens Chiefs. Once again, Ravens Chiefs, as you were mentioning, John, would have been fun a- anyway. Sure. Yeah. This adds even a little bit more, I think, intrigue to that game. 
Let's continue on and talk about the beef that we just can't get away from right now. <laughs> Tyree Kill, an Olympic gold medalist, Usain Bolt. And here you'll hear Tyree Kill really calls out the Olympic gold medalist. And then afterward, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy chimes in. I'm going to tell you like this, man. You, Usain Bolt got out of the game for a reason, right? He's old, he's washed up, and he can't see me in 40 yards. 100-yard dash? Yes, that's what he do. A 40-yard dash, if y'all were recording this, you saying, Bo, you cannot see me. <laughs> Listen, I'm not getting into that. If he wants to race it, you know, so be it. I don't know when that's going to take place. It'll probably take place sometime next offseason. But I'll be curious to see Usain Bolt run. Now, here's the thing. I truly believe that Tyreek can run. When we start talking about these legends, I'm going to err on the legend. And I love Tyreek, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to err on the, the Olympic gold medalist, you know what I mean? And, and that's not to say I don't love him, you know what I mean? I love Tyreek, but I'm going to err on the legend. So you have Eric Bieniemy taking the side of Bolt in a 40-yard dash. Who do you got, John Hill or Bolt? Well, I think I would take Hill. I think I would take Hill, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've watched I've only watched Hill in person. I have not watched both in person. I imagine it's probably similar, but I think in what Tyreek was alluding to, I think there is something to it in the sense that if they go a little bit longer, I think Bolt is probably going to best him. I mean, he did win the Olympic gold medal, so it's hard to think, OK, in a hundred yard dash. But this is 40 yards. I think Tyreek Hill can do it. Yeah, but Bolt has the. Bolt set that record in 2009. That was 12 years ago. Oh, so you're saying it's kind of a, a situation where he's washed up. Well, I don't know that he's washed up. I'm sure he could beat me in a race. Right. I mean, I'm sure he could beat a lot of guys who are presently playing in the NFL. But no, don't take this the wrong way, John, but I think about 99% of, of folks listening oh, might be able to beat you in a race. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Uh, I'm glad to own that. So, uh, but thank you for pointing it out. Oh, no problem. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I don't think Usain Bolt is as fast as he was 12 years ago. I don't think there's any reason to think he would be. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe in a hundred yard dash, he'd do better than he would mm -hmm. in a 40 yard dash. I'd agree with that. Um, you know, it's a distance he's accustomed to, he, you know, uh, that yeah. makes perfect sense. That wouldn't go away after 12 years, but I don't think he'd be able to run as fast. It's just that simple. And yeah. Hill is a lot closer to his prime. And so in a 40 yard dash, I would take Hill. At I did, yeah, I did find it interesting that the enemy was very fast to say, I would like to see the race next off season uh, that yeah. really making sure to say, the time for you to maybe do this has come and gone, Tyreek. Mm -hmm. I think it's too important that you don't, as we had talked about, pull a groin or a hamstring, <laughs> racing bolt for charity or otherwise. Uh, the Chiefs have bigger items at hand. All right, so not too much news because when the Chiefs are practicing every day, really the practice becomes the news. So we got through those three stories that we had to with the injury report with Justin Houston to the Ravens. And of course, Tyree Kill versus Usain Bolt. When we come back, we'll talk about our top early takeaways from training camp. Now that we're getting some eyeballs on these guys, stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are five practices into Chiefs' full team workouts in St. Joseph, Missouri. We're keeping you updated at arrowheadpride.com. Please leave us a rating and a review here on the podcast network. If you're enjoying some of our shows, not only us, but of course, Out of Structure and Show and BK and the Great British Chief Show and some of our interview series and from the podium, such a, such a, Big lot of content here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. A lot of reasons to rate and review. And this is one of them as well now. Our early takeaways from the first five days of full team workouts at training camp. And I'm going to start with my first one, John. All right. I said this on 610 Sports Radio. So if you listen to 610 Sports Radio and you listen to The Drive, you might have heard me say this earlier. I'm a little bit different when it comes to the offensive line right now. I'm actually ready to pencil four positions in but they are not the positions that I thought I would be penciling in. <laughs> I think Orlando Brown Jr. and Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, those are the same. But I had gone into training camp and I thought that right tackle was locked up with Mike Remmers. And I said, well, right guard maybe isn't with Trey Smith and LDT. I think this team knows that they are going to start Trey Smith pending injury at the right guard position. So I think Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, and Smith are locked in. And what's been surprising to me and I would say an injury is is half the reason here because I don't know if, if he would be getting this opportunity without the Mike Remmers back spasms thing. But I think Lucas Niang, if you really listen to Andy Reid's words, has started to, to play his way into what is a battle at the right tackle position. And so now I think I do have four positions locked in, but the one that I'm questioning is right tackle. And that actually surprises me. I didn't think I would be here this early. Yeah, uh, I think we've all, I've certainly gone through uh, an evolution, if you will, over the course of the season. I've written, I think, three offensive line projections. There's one to go, I suspect, before right. the season actually begins. And originally, I thought that the right side of the line would absolutely be veterans, uh, Duvernay, Tardif, and Remmers. Um, I was pretty quick to switch over to Creed Humphrey at center over Austin Blythe. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Trey Smith is looking more and more like the starter at right guard. I got to agree with that. Um, I don't know what to think about this right tackle situation. You know, they've been working Niang as the swing tackle, essentially. On yeah, the he had, team. he had been playing yeah. left tackle with the second team prior right. to the Remmers injury. Right. And even before Remmers was injured, he was getting a handful of snaps here and there at mm -hmm. the right tackle position. Mm -hmm. And so then Remmers gets injured and the Chiefs are like, well, let's give this guy an extended look at right tackle. What's hard well, to see what he would look like as the swing tackle if yeah. Mike Remmers got hurt. Yeah. What's difficult about this, I think, right now on this night that we're recording is we're a day before the first padded practice. So like when you're really judging the lines, you mm -hmm. need the pads because right. you can't get to 100% intensity until the pads come on. They're not going to do that. So in a sense, we don't really know what this looks like. I think if you're going up to training camp on Tuesday 
and it, you're probably listening to this now as you go up, or maybe you just got out of practice or whatever. Um, but Tuesday and the padded practice days are the days to go up and, and really determine, well, who makes sense for this line? Like, I'm very eager to see what Trey Smith looks like tomorrow in offensive mm-hmm. line versus defensive yep. line drills. Because, I mean, you talk about Aaron Donald and the LA Rams and their interior. Aside from them, because they have Aaron Donald, this Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, I know that Chris Jones would be popping outside, but when you have Chris Jones in the middle there with Jaron Reed on, on half the looks, seemingly, I mean, it's one of the better interiors in the league when it comes to defensive line. And so the interior of the offensive line is truly going to be tested by some of the better players in the league. I think you're going to learn a lot on Tuesday and thereafter at these padded practices and to the extent the preseason games about can Trey Smith hold up? How Mm -hmm. does Lucas Niang look in a 100% full throttle rep against Chris Jones, who's trying to prove to himself, the coaching staff, and the world that he can play outside on the edge at that position. Like, There's so much we're going to learn from this padded practice, which is hard to judge right now, but I do still feel like I feel. I I think right tackle seems to be more open to me than right guard is at the moment. Yeah, I think that's that's fine. I think that's... uh, I'm not sure I completely agree with it, I'm still, uh, I, I'm still, I still have this thought that the Chiefs are not going to want to have three rookies right. uh, from the center on to the right, but um, but it really could happen. And uh, on Saturday, I wrote that uh, there's a real chance that this could go on, and uh, we have to be prepared for it. I think there's definitely a chance we could see three rookies on the line this year. But yeah, you but- know what? Long term, that's the best thing. Yeah, you know? and I, I think they're going to have some depth too, which is yeah. a good thing. Like. You talk about, so say that is your your starting five, then Mike Remmers becomes your depth. Kyle Long mm-hmm. will be in the mix once he's healthy. You have LDT, who has started many games. Mm-hmm. Austin Blythe, yep. Lucas Niang. Who knows how Prince Tego Inogo fits into it if Andrew Wiley mm-hmm. makes this team. So offensive line injuries are going to happen, and I, I think the Chiefs have, have really not only built that top line and are figuring it out. We'll see if it ends up being three rookies, but even behind them, when one of these guys gets injured, it's like you have formidable starters all across the line. A little bit mm-hmm. light, a little bit light at the tackle positions. I, I think it, you could stand to be a little bit better there. But even like any of the interior positions, you got to feel really good about. Yeah, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. All yeah. right, John, let's go to one of your first takeaways, one of your early takeaways of training camp. What have What have you been thinking about? Well, I'm just still uh, puzzled by 15 wide receivers. Now it's 14 with Finky gone. Uh, for uh, what Fox. six? Right off the team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's for what six positions we usually get uh, on the fifty-three. It's been pretty consistent roster. with six wide receivers mm-hmm. across the board from Reed. I I think it's only been five once, and ever since two thousand thirteen, it's been six receivers every other time. So the math on this works out to uh, what is it? Eight guys competing for one roster spot. Like and it. it struck me today uh, for the first time that you could pick six players uh, for to be those wide receivers, and they would all be guys who played for the Chiefs last year. Right. You know, there wouldn't be a single new face on there. But we have uh, Antonio Callaway, and there's an argument that he could be a significant player for the Chiefs. We have a draft pick. In Cornell Powell, um, I, I can't imagine the Chiefs aren't going to keep him um, on the roster this year. 
So then the question becomes, which of these guys that was a, a player for the Chiefs last year that was on the edge of the wide receiver roster um, gets their walking papers? You know, is it going to be uh, is it going to be Demarcus Robinson? Uh, you know, is it going to be Byron Pringle? Yeah. Uh, you know, those those are the kinds of questions we're going to be asking. I, I mean, I think McCole Hardman, he's obviously going to be on the roster. I think Demarcus Robinson is going to be on the roster. Um, but that's well, that's only halfway down. And then there's a lot of questions. Guys like Jody Fortson, who once again is impressing everybody in camp. But, you know, maybe he makes the roster as a tight end this year. It's just, yeah, it's It's, just going to be crazy. I can't see the Chiefs keeping more than the three tight ends. And, man, I cannot be talked out of as as nice as Fortson looks. I cannot be talked out of right now it being Kelsey, Bell, and Gray. Like, you Mm -hmm. need a blocking tight end. Gray's on the team, right? Kelsey's on the team. They know what they have in Bell. I, I just don't see them valuing Fortson as, as much given the acumen that Bell shows when it comes to blocking. And then, yeah, it becomes a numbers game. And you you wonder if think the Chiefs could say, maybe this is the first year we'll keep seven wide receivers. Because I think because of his special teams and what he does in special teams, Marcus Kemp is making it. Mm-hmm. Where it's becoming interesting for me and this is a little bit of a bad problem. We talk about good problems sometimes when it comes to roster yeah. construction. So I agree. I, you know, Hill and Hardman are on the team. Byron Pringle, I think he's going to be the kicker turner. I think he's on the team. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is on the team. What is tough for the Chiefs right now, and it's early, please. I, like, let's just say this right now. It's super, super early. Sure. Hal has not looked great. And he's been on the third team. And I've noticed a few drops. And it seems like he's having more bad days than good. Now, again, I, I will say it one more time. It is early, so he can improve by the end of training camp. But he's a player that you have to keep on the roster, even if it was someone that you maybe you make an active because you spent draft capital on this guy. Mm-hmm. And right. m- maybe he's your sixth receiver. Uh, maybe he can play some special teams and you feel better about it. But for him to not really be performing well so far and to have some of those drops that we've seen early on in training camp, it's just not a good situation when it comes to the numbers because you may have, as you're saying, a couple of receivers that you like and that you maybe want to keep in like a Fortson and let's say camp in a Callaway. And there's been other players too that sometimes will turn your head like Maurice French, who I, I didn't mm-hmm. think there was a chance yeah. would make the roster. He has been making a few plays at training camp. So the numbers game gets interesting. And then you're talking, are you keeping nine or 10 offensive linemen? We just talked about the uh, embarrassment of riches that the Chiefs have along the offensive line. And typically they only keep 25 total players. And then you have the fullback in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. Like does Andy Reid suddenly look himself in the mirror and say, I have too much <laughs> talent to keep this fullback <laughs> well, on the team, right? And so yeah. I, I, I like this part of the year and it's it's so interesting because you get to you get to situations where like yeah you do it by positions at first but then it gets to be so deep of a conversation that sometimes you're running a wide receiver against an extra offensive lineman and it's like would the Chiefs mm-hmm. keep a seventh receiver uh, or would they want to keep Yazier Durant or Darrell Williams two names that we didn't put among the ten that could be interesting you know like so which way like who do they fear won't be plucked off the practice squad you have to think that mm-hmm. way and so yeah. 
sometimes it's impossible to know what makes this year more interesting than last year is see these fringe players can actually put eyeballs on their tape. And so if one of these guys has an outstanding preseason, it's seen not only by the chiefs, but by 31 other teams. And so then you get into the thing of, well, maybe there's players that really perform well in the preseason that you can either flip for a draft pick or a guy that you feel like you have to keep on your team. Because if you don't keep him on your team and you try to put him on your practice squad, he could be poached in a second there if you're waving him and trying. So a very complicated problem. And sometimes I would appreciate the salary, of course, but sometimes I'm I'm happy that my name is not Brett Veach, and I just have to do this for fun on ArrowheadPride.com. <laughs> well, you know, I I think you make a great point about the number of tight ends, and I I think your logic is solid there that you can't be talked out of three tight ends on the roster. But I would just ask this question: Could you have been talked out of three tight ends on the roster a year ago, and the Chiefs carried four for right. the whole season? Right. So uh, and and carried a fullback on the roster, so I, I don't. I think your logic is is fine, but in this particular situation where they might be having arguments about how many wide receivers to have on the team, a guy like Fortson, who could be a tight end and who could be a wide receiver, might be a guy who could find himself on the active roster. But we'll see. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, it's just going to be fascinating. And the 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 determination of these things, I wish we could be a fly on the wall when they have these conversations among all the position coaches about who they're going to keep and who they're going to let go. The redshirt players hurt. And that's all I'll say, yeah. because I think Cornell Powell might fit into that. And you got to keep him on the roster. I think Kando fits into that. And yeah. he'll be on the roster, too. I think to an extent, and he's making a case, and I'm about to talk about it, but Bolton is someone that you'll have to keep on the roster, even mm-hmm. though he may not play a ton of defensive snaps for you. So right. uh, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the linebackers. That's my next thing. And I just got to tell you, John, I've had some visuals on this. Willie Gay looks like a completely different player yeah. right now. And that is so needed and so necessary. Now that Damian Wilson is in Jacksonville. And this was a, a guy that the chiefs spent the second rounder on last year. And a lot of people thought that he might make an immediate impact, but you can just tell that there's a newfound confidence in Gay based upon just understanding where he is supposed to go on every play. And like, I don't think he's having a 100% perfect camp. Like one of the things that I asked him the other day as we were speaking in the media was what is the coach's feedback? And he kind of joked around and said he's not really getting yelled at all that much or chewed out all that much. And so um, I, I think he's having a, a really strong camp. I, I think the Chiefs need him to have that. And what I have noticed is he's got a little bit of that second-level ball hawk ability, and that has been standing out, getting his hand on the ball. As of Monday, he got his first camp interception. We actually have the clip of it up at arrowheadpride.com via Aaron Ladd right now if you want to take a look at that. But Willie Gay, at a time when the Chiefs needed him to be and look this good, does look this good right now. Again, we'll put the pads on tomorrow, but right now I think that's a good sign for the first week of camp. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And so I think the equation that most of us would agree upon is that Willie Gay playing close to his potential is greater than Damian Wilson. So even if he's just getting close to that, we should see an improvement at the second level of the defense. And gosh, the the guys are just raving about what they see from Willie Gay at camp uh, so far. 
No, and and that was one of the things that Tyron Matthew tweeted today. It was our tweet mm. of the day in our notebook. I keep going back to the notebook, but <laughs> he, he basically tweeted out, Willie Gay, that's the tweet. And yeah. Very, very exciting. Uh, John, let's go to your next early takeaway. What has been standing out to you maybe on the defensive side of the football? Yeah, I was uh, intrigued today by uh, Jaron Reed's conversations with reporters uh, that basically said uh, everybody on the offense, on the defensive side of the line, uh, is as versatile as Chris Jones. You know, this has been the conversation about the defense uh, all off season. Is this idea that Chris Jones is going to be playing on the edge, and he's been playing on the edge. Um, he's been playing on the edge about one snap and three last season. So the real question is, is how much more is he going to play on the edge? And uh, Jaron Reed said today that uh, they're all cross-training and they're all doing things where they can play in other places on the line. And so this is going to be yet another thing that Steve Spagnuolo is going to have in his back pocket to trip up the opposing offenses uh, so they won't expect what's coming. So this, to me, is pretty exciting. I think it's it's really cool. And, and of course, Andy Reid keeps saying that we're ignoring the Jaron Reed story. Uh, he himself is, gonna, is likely to be a pretty good player on that defensive line. So... I think the I think the tape though is an interesting part of this too because offensive linemen they really study the opposing player they're going to be most seeing uh, on Sundays right and mm-hmm. so as you're starting to switch these guys up whether it's the end positions or you have Chris Jones kicking in and out it just gives them more to work with or more sure. to have to be ready for when you're facing this Chiefs defensive line I think that's a, a great thing and I think the Chiefs have a lot of talent there. And where it, they may lack and a little bit of, I think, that edge depth. I think you'd probably want to have like one more bigger name along the edge. But this, to me, is a factor that makes the line interesting that lay like, in the sense that, yeah, but the versatility in the games and the stunts, I, I'm starting to think, okay, Spagnuolo's figured that out. Like, okay, maybe we don't necessarily have the edge player or that elite edge player. Cause again, who knows what's going to happen with Frank Clark. Chris Jones is, is now learning Mike Dana still coming along, but I'm going to scheme this up so that the quarterback and the opposing offensive line, no matter who's out there, they're not going to know what's coming. And I really like the way the defensive line is coming along in that sense. And it, and it just seems like this group is, is just super, super, super tight. Uh, I thought what was interesting today in the parks interview, just talking about Tyron Matthew and just how close they've gotten at training camp. And they were talking so long. He almost got like was late for curfew. Um, <laughs> it seems like this group is, is, you know, from the line all the way back, uh, one of the tighter knit groups, maybe in the NFL and parks who has been with other teams more or less confirmed that on, on Monday. I think that's a very cool part of it as well. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. And uh, I, I was dif- very disappointed by the way, uh, with the reporters uh, when Parks brought that up, that they didn't ask for more details about <laughs> what was going on when he almost spent the night in Tyron Matthews' uh, dorm room. But okay, all right, we'll let you off this time, but just don't let it happen again. I got to think it was like some kind of poker or something yeah, or some yeah. kind of gam- <laughs> gambling that only millionaires and super thousandaires can do. But no, 
like I said, I, I think that's one of the best parts of training camp too, is, is the camaraderie that's built sure. with uh, these guys and, and a clear sign of it. Now, we mentioned Juan Thornhill and having to come off early today. What I want to say is it, it's a shame because I, I really think Thornhill's been playing well. Mm-hmm. What has been interesting is the Chiefs are showing a lot of two safety looks and instead going with three cornerbacks a lot of the time. And so Thornhill has been getting a lot of work with the second team. But I had mentioned this on AP is that I, I thought he was pushing, getting his hand on the ball, being around the ball. I think he was pushing to maybe uh, get some more time with the top team. And then he pulls his groin today or he tweaked his groin today. And we'll see when he comes back. I don't anticipate him that, like I said, I think the Chiefs are going to be cautious. I, I don't anticipate him to be back anytime soon. So I'm hoping that when he d- is able to get back on the field and healthy, he continues the early trend that we'd seen. And one thing to talk about it where he was like, okay, I think I'm finally going to be back to the way I played as a rookie. And another thing to actually see it. And I thought we were starting to see that prior to him getting this minor injury today. Well, uh, I think all of that is right. Um, But I was just going to say, this is one of the things I was going to bring up and it dovetails nicely into what we're talking about here um, is the concern that the injury to Thornhill today is going to end up being worse than a groin injury. Groin injury on the first day that it occurs uh, is a very non-specific term. It can be anything from something that you're okay from in a couple of days, mm-hmm. or it could be a serious issue that requires surgery, as we have learned a couple of times in recent years. For what uh, it's worth, I mean, I, I I had eyes on this, and he was he seemed to be walking under his own power with yeah. a slight limp. And I saw the trainer working on it, and they just said, "Hit the showers," and probably like you're saying, "Let's see what it looks like tomorrow and whatnot." Right. You're right. I think it is something to monitor for sure. Right, and that's my only concern about this is that this turns out to be a greater injury than it looks like. And granted, most of the time these are not serious, and uh, let's hope that that's the case. But it is definitely something to monitor. Uh, every time I see a groin injury now, I think, oh boy, you know, is this is this going someplace we don't want to see? Uh, so that's my concern about that. Yeah, I have found it interesting, and in, in continuing with the defensive back room. I thought it would be DeAndre Baker getting the first crack, where instead it, it does seem like Mike Hughes is getting mm-hmm. the initial look. Now, here's what's happening. I had mentioned Traverius Ward is on the outside and Legereus Sneed is on the outside in what is the base defense. When they go to nickel looks, the three cornerbacks are on the field. And more times than not, and I'm trying to think of a percentage here, I have not written this down, so I'm kind of guesstimating from my memory. So trust that for what it's worth. But I would say that Hughes is getting the opportunities about... 60-ish, 65-ish percent of the time. And then they're mixing in DeAndre Baker in what is seemingly to me a battle, being clear here, a battle for the outside boundary corner in the nickel uh, look. So it's going to be a thing where Snead is sliding in. It's just a matter of who is filling in his position when that happens. And right now, again, based upon just reps, it seems like Hughes job to lose but i guess that could change as camp goes on because they are actively mixing deandre baker in at that position well and basically we're talking about the actual starters on defense uh the base defense is only on the field what five or ten percent of the time nickel has become the new base right like orange is new black nickel is the new base 
there were even games last season where even the starting lineups that were turned into the league for the official record showed three cornerbacks. Right. And, uh, you know, showed this uh, 4-2-5 alignment or whatever whatever it is they call it. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it would be a 4-2-5. Um, so that really is the conversation about who the starters are going to be, not who the starters in the base are going to be. And, uh, and yeah, right now, Hughes has the inside track, probably as he should, but uh, it's just hard to say. And again, when the pads come on, we may get an entirely different viewpoint on this uh, right. starting tomorrow. And we had some insight on this, too, right here on the AP Podcast Network. When the Chiefs ended up trading for Hughes, we talked to beat writer with The Athletic from Minnesota, who essentially said, that Hughes is a better player on the outside. So the Chiefs have tapped into him on the outside. I had thought that they would maybe try to find another slot cornerback, but I think they've kind of acknowledged Snead is really, really good at this uh, as much as we want to play him on the outside, which they will in the base. But uh, Snead is really good at this. Let's keep him in in the slot as the main nickel cornerback for this team. And I think they're leaning into that as well. Um, I, I want to tell you that Harrison Butker, knock on wood, uh, looks to be in a groove. It's good that James Winchester was back after that COVID-19 list um, scare. I mentioned how good Willie Gay looks. Hardman, I, I also think it's worth noting that, and we wrote about this, Mahomes and, and the team has sort of said that he's come to camp a bit more mature. Uh, you could tell that this is a player who I think is understanding how big this year is with Sammy Watkins in Baltimore, uh, and he has looked good early. Don't forget, John, he's going into his third season. So that isn't a contract mm -hmm. year. However, after this year, he could renegotiate to not necessarily go into year four, like we were talking with Tyron Matthew, right. and get a contract extension. If you're the mm -hmm. Chiefs and you've only seen these two years and you have a question mark for the third year, there's no way in hell that you're extending the contract. Now, he could change that and what that means if he has this explosive year. And I think, again, six days in here, uh, I think so far so good. And Tyree Kill, now granted, Travis Kelsey was off the field for a few days. Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes have something going on. And I know that they have had this in previous years, but it just feels like they're some kind of connection. We talked about the mind meld between Kelsey and Mahomes. I see that a little bit in Hill and Mahomes, again, early in camp so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... It it continues to amaze me uh, the way these two players work together. Um, I feel bad for McCole Hardman, um, who would be the starter on a lot of teams right. at this stage of his career, but will be having a spectacular year if he gets 800 yards receiving. It's the number that would get him a contract extension next year. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of amazing that, uh, that a player could, you know, turn in 800 yards in his third year and then have his contract extended, but that would be the way to do it. If you were the chiefs, um, I, I just feel bad for him that he's, that he's in this position with, with the two top receivers on the team. One of them's a tight end. And I also just wonder about McColl. I wonder if he gets to the end of this deal and wants to be that guy somewhere and just kind of says, mm -hmm. I'm going to do my contract and then kind of figure this out after or you know maybe he becomes a potential trade piece somewhere down the line for the Chiefs where he's a really good receiver yeah. wants another opportunity and the Chiefs were able to 
a slam for a, a day one or a day two pick. Who knows? I mean, it just really depends on how this year goes for Hardman. And I don't know if someone talked to him. I don't know if he realized it himself, but he does. Again, looking at his practices, he does seem to be taking it a little bit more seriously. And Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, wouldn't have mentioned maturity if that wasn't real. John, do you have anything else that you've kind of taken away from these first few days before we shut this thing down? I think it's interesting we haven't heard much about Rashad Fenton this year. Yeah. He's uh, kind of the invisible man. Um, you mentioned before that uh, Legarius Sneed is the guy that they want to have in there as the essential starter, as the slot corner. I agree with that. And uh, Fenton would be his backup. But uh, it's interesting that he is, doesn't seem to be – we've hardly heard his name this year. He's been playing and, with the second uh, this, team, but not really getting a crack on, yeah. with, with the top team. And, and this was a player, yeah. I believe it was the middle of last season, that we thought could emerge as a legitimate com- contributor. Yeah. And you're right. He, he has kind well, of yeah. fallen by the wayside a little bit there. Yeah, well, and it was because of uh, Sneed's injury. Right. You know, Breland was out right. the first few games of the season, and Sneed got hurt, what, in the third game, right? Mm-hmm. And then Fenton came in on the outside and kind of turned our heads that he could play outside corner and do it pretty effectively. And um, and then in, while he was, while Sneed's injury continued through the next five or six weeks, whatever it was from that point, uh, Fenton did a good job in the slot. So, um, you know, this is again a player that uh, is maybe better than we realize, but because of the situation the Chiefs are in specifically uh, with the cornerbacks, um, he's just not getting our attention right now. He's kind of become the invisible man. Got to stay active. It only takes one injury for you to suddenly become the guy. It seems like yeah. he's taking the right approach, but again, most of his work is with the second team. Last little nugget for you here. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, to me, looks like he's got a little bit more burst this year, which is natural, I think, as he goes into his second year with the training. He said he's fully healthy, only was about 85 to 90% in the Super Bowl. I think it is worth noting that Daryl Williams is getting quite a few repetitions with the top team. I know that the Chiefs have been seeking this idea of thunder and lightning, this one-two type of punch when it comes to the running back position for a while now. I think Daryl Williams might actually get a legitimate opportunity rather than the Chiefs bringing in like a LaShawn McCoy or a Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. I think Daryl is legitimately going to get uh, a chance this year. And I know the Chiefs have all these great skill position players. We mentioned the tight ends and the receivers and the idea of two and three tight end sets and everything like that. I'm also eager to see if they start to use Clyde as more of a magical chess piece as he was first advertised at LSU. There'll be two running back looks. And then all of a sudden, Daryl Williams may become interesting, a little bit more interesting there as your natural type of runner guy as you're using Clyde as this ultimate weapon. So, man, there's a lot at Andy Reid's disposal. Patrick Mahomes should be more protected than he's been in a long time. But Andy Reid also has a ton of weapons to play with, depending on Hill and Hardman in the backfield and the fullback and all these running backs. Jarek McKinnon is that third running back. You have Noah Gray, baby Kelsey. Uh, that I called all these receivers. So uh, really, really uh, excited, not in the preseason because Andy Reid does not show anything in the damn preseason, but week one, <laughs> I think we're in for a show on offense. Um, I really do. And and you're, we're seeing glimpses of it in Zane's show, but Andy Reid is really smart about what he shows. Well, what's good for the starter is good for the backup. 
You know, we've talked yeah. a lot about uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire having a better opportunity to be productive on the inside with a better offensive line, particularly on the interior. And that'll be good for for Daryl, too, because those are the kind of yards that the Chiefs have been hoping he could get, that they've got a guy like yeah. Edwards-Alaire who's going to be effective on the outside, and then they've got a guy that they can bring on under down like Daryl Williams and if the offensive line's better on the interior, then there's more opportunities for him to shine. So, uh, yes, I agree. Uh, we could see some very interesting things uh, with the running backs this year. And I, and I don't think we're going to see a signing of a player like um, Le'Veon Bell or LaShawn McCoy. I'm, I'm tired of that now. I'm just tired of that. The last piece of news that we just have to tell you before we go, the Chiefs have suddenly decided to wear mustaches on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and usually this is a thing that people will do. I think it's November, right? For the month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, doing no. it one day of the week is interesting to me. Cause that, does that mean they'll be shaved tomorrow and then grow it to a point each week? I day of the week mustache is just a hard thing to figure out because the growth, right? So like, I guess they'll just slowly grow them back the rest of the week. And then each Monday shave everything else. Um, we'll keep you updated on that front. That might be the most important story we talked so, about. Today. So really, this is a contest of how quickly you can grow facial hair, right? Uh, I mean, that's varies. what that comes down to. Uh, and if you varies, only have a sure. week to do it. So, um, you know, one of the talents that you know, maybe I have. No, you know what? I don't think I would do well in this contest. I don't think I could grow a mustache in a week. So I could just I, I have a beard right now. And I was thinking maybe today, but I. I do not think I would look great with a mustache. I think I think I'm going to hold off on on doing anything like that. But listen, uh, that's my gift to you, John. And this has been our gift to you. A look at training camp so far right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I've said it a couple times now, but if you would, please leave us a rating and a review. Uh, coming up next on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we'll have another Arrowhead Drive. And then our guys with AP Out of Structure, Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner, will be taking your questions on Twitter. So make sure you get those in uh, to them because they are happy to answer anything that they've seen at training camp. I know that Ron has been up there a couple times now. But for John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you very much for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.